Hey everyone, this is the Music Attic Podcast. This is a podcast me and my best friend Will are going to start doing weekly and put out on the airwaves and see if it makes any traction. I'm Joe. I'm Will. And uh, this week, our inaugural episode, we're going to talk about the our top five albums of 2018. Even though it's almost two months past the beginning of the new year, because that's just how we roll. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a few minutes late, but that's all right. We'll get started. What's your number five, Will? All right, we'll start with my number five. Uh, basically, the, the synapses of my entire year in music was albums I anticipated for years, if not decades. And number five for me this year, with a little bit of sadness, uh, albeit the slightest bit, was the new release by the Black Queen, Infinite Games. Uh, this was a band that, when I first heard it announced, it was really a revelation for me. So I really built up the second album as it was coming as something magnanimous, and it was good, but it wasn't what I expected it to be. And I no. think, Joe, you share the same sentiment on that. Absolutely. I loved the first album. I thought it was very uh, intuitive, you know, with the man members they have. But uh, no, I, I, I really wanted this to be on my list. Yeah, I know. We, we've kind of had this back and forth, and I think the first night we both listened to this record, it was a midnight release. I think you listened to it while you're awake, and I actually woke up to put it on and fall yeah. back to sleep to it. Yeah, I listened to it at work, and I fucking hated it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, and for me, it, it, it's been a, a long uh, digestion of this album. It's starting to grow me a little bit as time has passed, but I know... Day one, you and I had a very similar reaction to it, which is, what the hell? Well, to be honest with you, I felt like it was a... uh, I had much higher expectations for the album. I felt like it was a three-song album with seven filler tracks. I agree. It's one of those deals where it starts out, the the initial track, you know, the intro, it's amazing. You know, there's a lot of texture going on. There's a lot of unique effects you haven't really heard in other vocal stylings. But then you realize most of this album, Greg's vocals, it's a lot of reverb. It's an inordinate amount of echo. And the high points don't really wash out the the long valley of just somewhat mediocre, mediocre songs from what we were expecting from this album. Well, yeah, and before it was released, Greg said that this wasn't going to be an album that you could pick off singles from. It was a project album, and I think they they killed it with me for that because the whole project to me was just having Greg having a bunch of dissonant vocals. Yeah, and I and I and we'll we'll put full disclosure here uh as we go through our podcast, everybody will know that I have a massive <laughs> Unabided man crush on Greg Pichotto. There's nothing. There's nothing about that that I won't deny. So for me, hearing that this was going to be a project, hearing that this was something that was gonna be, you have to pay attention to the entire record. You just can't pick out songs you like because that's what they wanted us to do. I found myself doing the exact opposite. The songs I like on the album might be some of my favorite Black Queen songs I've heard. However, there are some things on there that I could honestly just wish they'd have just thrown in the trash. Yeah, uh, for me, like I said, it's three songs. They open up with two strong songs. I wasn't really all that fond of the opening track, even still I want to, but the next two songs, Thrown Into the Dark, which was the first single they released, I had huge expectations, and it was great. I loved it. And uh, 
the next song, No Accusations, another great song, beautiful. And then they end the album with the best song on the album. The oh, best the, song on the album is One Edge of Two. There's no question. I personally believe, and this is a lot because there's a lot of songs on Fever Daydream that I think are just delicious. But One Edge of Two might be my song of the year. Yeah. It's just remarkable. There's not just one section of the song. Lyrically, it's amazing. Uh, the work that Josh Eustace does on changing the tonality of every single verse, the drum beat changes. And it's amazing because it goes from one thing to the next. From one, even though it's all very similar, the songs from, this, that song changes gears every single verse. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't even put it on my... Uh on my uh, uh, notable mentions of the year. So, yeah, that's uh, the Black Queen with, uh, what's the name of the album? I can't even remember the name of the album. <laughs> it's Infinite Games. Infinite Games, yeah. And so. uh, and we're going to give it a chance live because Joe and I are both going to see them in March to see how this stuff sounds or how it gestates in a live setting. But uh, Yeah, definitely- we both met Greg. That's yeah. the sad thing is that we've both met and hung out with Greg outside of a Dillinger Escape Plan show. And, and like, I don't want to tell him after I see the Black Queen that I, I hated this album. Yeah, exactly. Because I think most of our conversation that night when we spoke with him was about the our excitement. Black for, Queen. Yeah, we were excited about it. And that was really how our conversation started with him because one of us was wearing a Black Queen shirt and he happened to pick up on it. All right. So moving on, we're going to go into my number five of the year, which is going to be Daughters. You won't get what you want. I love this album. People, Some people ask me why I listen to music like this where, you know, the singer isn't really singing or even screaming. It's more of a spoken word type thing. And honestly, I don't mind listening to music that challenges me. I don't always like, you know, straightforward, you know, beat here, beat there, chord here, chord there. I like the little things that are difficult for me. And this Daughters album is the first album they had in many years and I didn't even know about Daughters until this album came out, and I saw it flowing through the internet. Yeah, I just, I love this album inside and out. What did you think of it? When I first listened to it, my first take on the album was that this some way should have been a, a spiritual successor to what Trent Reznor was doing in the 90s. Yeah. I had a, that's the first, like, connection I felt with it, but I totally agree. The musicality of it really hooked me from... The, sec- the, f- the beginning of the first song. I just really dug it. And in my notes down here, I wrote a city song. Mm-hmm. It's the, the damn drum beat. Like, as a percussionist, that hooked me. It was so hypnotic. And then really, it kind of lulled me. I'm just sitting here, like, this is so chill. And then, boom, you just, it attacks you. Yeah. And it doesn't stop the rest of the album. And I really, really dug that, especially coming from a situation where I had never listened to Daughters before either. Yeah, uh, I don't really have much more to say about it except for I just love this album. But if anybody's looking to get into the Daughters and can't find a good gateway into them, I highly recommend the song Satan in the Weight. And I'm, I i don't want to cut you off because I know we were going to go on to the next thing, but I literally have a note. And this is the exact <laughs> note. There's a line drawn to Satan in the Weight yeah. and in bold letters, the fucking synth. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going through this and I'm like, I'm chugging along and I'm loving it. And it's and it's really great. And then boom, that song hits me. I'm like, oh my yeah. 
God. It's a perfect way for anybody to get into them. Yeah. It's got a, a driving beat. It's got melody. You know, it's not as harsh as some of their other songs. It's just it's a it's a perfect song to get into them and then ease your way through the rest of their catalog. Oh, no question, no question. I think I definitely think it's a band that I'm going to spend my night drives listening to when when the moments where I just need something to challenge me and keep me going when I'm driving home. Yeah, absolutely. I listen to it on the way to work at eleven o'clock at night a lot of times. All right, so your number fours. <laughs> now, this is a, a discussion we started at the dinner table earlier today, and I've been curious what your reaction to this record would be. And the record we're speaking of is the new album by Lord Huron. It's the Vide Noir album. Now, to anyone who doesn't have a background with the mythology of this band, uh, Ben Schneider, who essentially is the fictional character of Lord Huron, so to speak, Every one of the albums in this this story thus far have, has been a connecting line of one main character and his unrequited trip through time, space, and uh, <laughs> the magic of really good drugs uh, to find his love. First impression of the album is uh, the the '60s production. I really dug. I really I really loved it. Agreed. Um, and it really put forth the fact that the drum and bass, the rhythm section of this band, which hadn't been highlighted in previous records, was really on point and right in your face from start to finish. Um, I think Joe and I both agree that this is not the strongest Lord Huron album. However, the tracks I really love in this album, uh, again with the Black Queen, uh, you know, Wait by the River and When the Night is Over, there's some really good stuff there. Yeah, when I... uh I, I started listening to this album to to do homework for it, and I hated it. But um, I, I listened to it two times. I, I listened through it twice. And uh, if I may jump in and tell you what my thoughts are. Oh, I want you to. Around. I want you to. All right. So it's 2 a.m. last smoke music. It's end of the dial, college radio style, ambient uh, the first time I heard When the Night is Over, I literally stopped the song and I switched over to Bobby Vinton because I'm like, this dude sells fucking exactly like Bobby yes. Vinton right now. Yes. Good call. Wait by the River is, uh, is a great song. It reminds me of uh, like a jukebox memories ballad played by a ghost band. That's a perfect description. That's exactly how I feel about it. It's it's really nice. It's fifties and sixties, you know, soda shop ballad style prom, back to the future style, you know. Oh, exactly, and I, and I think that's was what they were trying to capture, and it definitely, definitely is something that you get the feel from. Uh, so let me tell you my summary of it. Basically, it's called Vidin Noir, which in French means black void. Uh, they accomplish that sound, <laughs> but I feel the album relies too heavily on the void sound is mm-hmm. really really hollow uh, Ben Schneider has a fucking great voice oh yeah uh, I would like to hear more of his raw sound like on uh, when the night is over they really held back on the hollow during the verse more of it more of that it, yeah. it's the best song on the album when the night is over I played it for my wife and even she's like how come this isn't being played on the radio to me the album is overall boring uh, but I feel like they have yet to release was really really you know, them. Yeah. I, I, I feel like this is just a stepping stone. I gave it a six out of 10. It's almost there, but it never really made me all that intensely, you know, Oh my God, I got to hear that again. 
Again, Wait by the River, When the Night is Over, and uh, the last song I recommend is Ancient Names Part 2, because it sounds like punk surfer sci-fi. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 the Ancient Names 1 and 2, it's it's such a, a dichotomy in opposites, because the first part of it, it's it's just, like you said, more of that void sound. Mm-hmm. It's It just really doesn't go anywhere. It meanders. But the second part, really, and it's it's nothing like they've done before. It's literally, like I said, it's a psychobilly surf freakout. Is, uh, is the rest of their catalog like that with the vocals, though? No, uh, this sounds way so. It's it's you know that over processed, over engineered, yep. over produced sound. This reeks of it. It's so, I, it, it's like they, it's that sound where they try to make it sound lo-fi instead of just recording lo-fi. Exactly. It's like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, their their first two albums, uh, Lonesome Dreams, their first record is. Essentially, it's vocals, guitar, and a little bit of extra. Yeah. And it's very, it does sound very lo-fi. Strange Trails uh, is the album that really got me into them. And I thought it was a perfect mix. It had a little bit what was leading towards Vie Noir. Yeah. But it really had that, if you were going to spend like a day actually hiking and listen, and you wanted an appropriate soundtrack to make you feel at one with nature, I really thought that they captured it right on that album. Um, as a fan of the band, I was very excited for Vie Noir, especially when you hear when the night is over because it's such an amazing tune. Oh, and White by the River, but outside of a few other songs on that record, it didn't grab me. It was it's great music to drive to if you're talking to somebody yeah. in the background. I would totally make a mix off of this album, but I wouldn't listen to the whole album through. Fully agree. I would pick some songs off of it, but I definitely would like to go back and check out some of their earlier catalog. Yeah. I feel. I don't know. I I feel like I can get into them a little bit. I definitely think you would you would gravitate more towards uh, Strange Trails. It's a good album. It's a little bit trippy, and uh, it's a little more of what I think you're looking for them to be. So, Joe, for you, what is your next one? Well, originally I had an album on here. <laughs> I still think you should add the album on here. We should just have a have a massive talk. All about right, it. all right, fine. We're gonna. I was. I had on here Gunship Dark All Day. Amazing album. You and I got started on Synthwave through these guys. Absolutely. That's that's where it all began for us and it really changed our perspective towards our love of music. We were pretty hard I mean, you're definitely much more of a metalhead than me, but we were both on the harder side of the dial. And then we both heard Fly For Your Life off of their debut record. Yeah, absolutely. It changed our minds. And the worst part about it was they made us wait eight months for anything else. Yeah, they, they definitely weren't very quick with pumping out music. Like you see a lot of synth bands, you know, pumping out music. You know, oh, we're going to put out a two album. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But uh, anyway, back to Dark All Day. If it wasn't for some other songs, Dark All Day, the song with Tim Capello, in Indiana would be my song of the year. Oh, yeah. 100% my song of the year. Because it's everything an 80s kid could love. I mean, if you grew up in the 80s, if you just watch the video, that's the, yeah. the best part about it is the song is amazing. It gives you the Lost Boys. You've got Blade. You've Blade. got Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's so many things going on in the video. And then you add the fact they actually bring Tim Capello back from obscurity. Back from the Lost Boys. Yes, it's the sexy sax man from the Lost Boys. If any of you have actually ever seen the Lost Boys, if you're as old as yeah. we are, we just love the Lost shaking Boys. shaking that, that cod piece, man, you know, in spandex. And, yeah. and he's still doing it. He's got to be in his, he's got to be 60 years old and he's still 
Shaking the Codpiece. He just released a new album last year, too. I, I got to check it out. Yeah, That's I've his ca- only album he ever released, too, and he released it last year. How ironic is that? You know, 20, almost 30 years after the fact, his one, you know, five-second moment of fame. The music video, you know, it's got the Frog Brothers from the Lost Boys. It's got Blade, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's got Seth Gecko fighting vampires in Santa Clara. Yeah, I mean, how, how much more awesome can that be? I mean, just when you look at that description, I mean, every every geek in the world, and we're both geeks, you know, are, are you know, we're just, we're, it's, it's too much. Yeah, I, I, I actually couldn't believe that I could actually get into gunship being the metal, you know, man that I am. I mean, my favorite band on the earth, I'm wearing a Pig Destroyer t-shirt right now. I can verify. Yeah. <laughs> And so when I first heard Gunship, this just completely opened a new road for me. I think 50% of the records, vinyl, I own are actually Synthwave records. I think you are correct. And I think the last couple of years, I think most of our musical conversations have definitely veered from the heavier sort of things. You will still throw these things at me, and I will, I will, I will pretend to listen, and then I will forget about them because I'm I'm that asshole. We uh, we have gone from uh, playing uh, drums and guitar to uh, picking up synths. Yeah, and, 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 and learning how to program. Yeah. So that tells you where we're headed. So let me, uh, a couple more songs I recommend on this are definitely When You Grow Up, Your Heart Dies, featuring Ali Sheedy from The Breakfast Club, and the opening line. And 10,000 gunship friends across the world, which yeah. is amazing unto itself. Yeah, that's it was pretty amazing. I, I don't know. I felt like that part kind of dragged it on a little bit. I felt like they could have cut it short, but I, they basically had a bunch of, uh, if you were a fan of gunship, you could call in and leave your favorite a positive message on oh. a voicemail and yep. they actually put it into the song they picked some but honestly I don't mean to sound like a dick but they could have cut it like 15 seconds short <laughs> it was a little much for me uh, I also recommend Drone Racing Lead straight oh, yeah. out of Blade Runner oh absolutely <laughs> that song sounds like it belongs on the Blade Runner 2049 yep. soundtrack and uh, what I'll go, I won't get too far into this because I have my own thoughts on Dark all day later on, as you'll find it's on my list as well. So we, we don't want to just throw it all, all right. at you at this moment. But uh, the one thing I'll add about the Drone Racing League, that and Cyber City both feel like they should have been on the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack. And I'll just, uh, I'll button it up with uh, two more songs from there. Uh, I recommend Thrasher. Thrasher's a great tune. And uh, I also recommend their, uh, they did a cover of Time After Time. See, I have a love-hate relationship with that song. Yeah, I it took me a couple tries, but afterwards, I, I really, I really thought it was beautiful. So that's my number four, Gunship, Dark All Day. It's in, and it's, it's you're gonna find it. I find it highly recommended as well. In a few minutes, you'll see where I'm at with it. So for me, since I don't have a list, and I'm gonna riff here, uh, my number three is the the new album by Trevor Something. Um, and this is a conversation Joe and I had, and it wasn't an album that I was instantly open to. Ultra Paranoia. Yeah, the Ultra Paranoia album, when I first listened to bits and pieces of it, I definitely got the feeling that it felt a lot like, I wanted to say late 90s, early 2000s club music, but I was... 100%. But, but, 100%. but, but as I grew into it, the, this, the album really, really grabbed me, and I was really... You know, I came back to Joe with my tail between my legs to say, all right, dude, you were 1,000% correct. I missed the mark here. And this is also an album I had on my list, but I gave it up because, yeah, uh, yeah I didn't want us all to have the same album. So I, I agree 1,000%. I gave you this album. I'm like, dude, listen up. And you're like, it's too clubby. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was my instantaneous reaction because I'm that kind of a dick. I was like, it's just, I just like one past dismissive nature. But it's, you can totally picture yourself dropping E and just do this all night long in a club. 
And full disclosure, as I've listened to Trevor or something over the years, that is usually how I feel. When I listen to him at night, I literally want to go to a grimy club in like South Beach, drop all the E I can stand in like, I don't know, <laughs> do, do blow up a hooker's ass, really. That's really what, I mean, that's, I mean, you think about it. If you listen to that music, that's how it encapsulates. You, it's a dirty, good time on the Absolutely. verge of going bad and everything is sticky. Yeah. You got any uh, tracks you want to Oh, yeah. I've got to go through it here because when I go through it, I just listen to the album and they all bleed into one. But for me, uh, the first song I heard from the album came up before he released it, and that was the song Isolated. And it was the first time in any of the things he'd produced that you could see there was a noticeable increase in production value. If you listen to it in headphones, you listen to it with anything that's got a bottom end in it, it sounds massive. It's so fucking grimy, and it's so good. And just his vocals, he has this... This 3 a.m., I'm half asleep doing my vocal type of take on almost every one of his songs, and I think that adds to the magic of like that feel of all of his songs. That's definitely one. Um, and a couple other ones, too. Uh, I definitely felt like New High, once it got into the vocal side of the song, the intro was great. The op- the, that opening track, New High, yeah. is just yeah. awesome. There's so, there's so much twitchiness. There's so many little glitches. If you're listening to that through a, through a good set of headphones, you hear so much texture there. Another one, too, I would definitely say uh, Brainwashed was another one that stuck with me. Um, and, there's a, and there's a lot of songs in there that I would, I'm would i driving home at 3 o'clock in the morning, so I'm just literally going song to song to song. And it would be the songs that I would definitely click back and listen to three or four times in a row where I'd be, okay, this is a song I really dig. This is a song I really dig. But as an overall, it's definitely an album that has grown on me like a fungus. Yeah. Before this album dropped, I actually played um, the song Your Eyes on YouTube on repeat over and over and over and over again. It's beautiful. It's a it's a, just an amazing mellow uh EDM, you know, tune. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's very beautiful. And then I got the album and then when I play the album in my car, when your eyes pops up I hit repeat, repeat, repeat. But yeah, I agree with you. Uh New High is one of my favorite separation anxiety. Isolated is beautiful. Uh, A and Y any is awesome. Yep, that's a good one. Your eyes. I mean, this this album is just incredible. I loved it. I I love it so much. I bought it on vinyl. I I have it in two formats now on my phone and on the record player. It's amazing. Man, I'm probably gonna pick it up on vinyl at some point myself. I uh I definitely will say it. Out of the records that you recommended to me, that was probably the one that I kept coming back to, and I could definitely see uh. If this is a step ahead for him, what's next? It's going to be amazing, too. I think you said it well. You said it best. I think it's number three for you, my friend. All right. Number three for me, since you stole Trevor something from me. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I'm that dick. Is uh, Ghost. G-O-S-T. Not that are playing on, you know, your hard rock stations. I'm talking about the electronic artist Ghost. G-O-S-T. I never knew there was such a thing as a horror synthwave. Until I listened to Ghost in his previous album, Behemoth, and then he came out with this um, album, Possessor. If you're down for any kind of exorcism, possession-type movies, or atmosphere, uh, I highly recommend this album. It opens right up with uh, Possessor, which is an intro track, and uh, it's basically 
old media and news reporters talking about there are kids going into the woods and practicing witchcraft, you know, and there are reported amounts of suicide that may be linked to the occult and all of this crazy stuff. And the the fucking album even comes with directions on (laughs) a complete incantation on how to summon one of the demons. I can't even remember the name of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that part there, listening to it late at night, it actually scared the fucking shit out of me. (laughs) I won't even lie. Like, this album, like... I couldn't pinpoint anything about it other than the fact that it really disturbed me in a weird way. Um, the fact that it was a lot of the, the sound recording wasn't traditional sound recording stuff. It was just this guy is very creative. Uh, you know, if you compare him to other 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 genre like Perturbator, he's he's definitely looking at things from a different point of view, which is what I really think is cool. Yeah, and he's definitely Perturbator does some pretty good. Uh, I. I... I put him more in the league of like he's your action movie style, you know. He does a little bit of horror stuff, but Ghost is straight up slasher film horror synth wave. I I highly recommend four songs off of this album if you're looking to get into Ghost at all. It's like uh, Garuth, which is actually the first single off of this album, and it's got this like possessed girl strapped to a bed fighting a priest exorcist style. <laughs> it's got uh, I recommend the Prowler, uh, Sigil. Sigil is weird. Uh, it actually has clean, clean vocals. vocals in it, and it's really nice. It, yeah. it really, really blends well with the rest of the album. It's kind of like a little bit of a breather before it tears your head off again. Yeah, it kind of throws you a little bit too. It almost, it almost, almost deliberately throws you off the pace mm-hmm. the album is driving you in. It, it just, it's a left field like shift. I would definitely say that Sigil is my favorite song off of the album. Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, the last song I recommend is Sixteen A.M. 16 a.m. is a straight banger. Yeah. <laughs> when I heard that, I thought, this is the song he's going to recommend. Yeah. This is the one right here uh, that uh, that's really going to push it for Joe. It fucking shreds. <laughs> so there you go. This is my number three. I uh, just... It was one of those albums that the ones I, I spent time with, like I said, it disturbed me enough that I didn't want to spend a lot of time with it because I, ever, I was afraid of the nightmares I was going to have <laughs> afterwards. Um, I definitely think that if uh, if this gentleman does not continue to do things in this format, he is missing the mark because he should be scoring every horror movie from now to the end of time. Absolutely. You can definitely see him like scoring. Yeah, like this is a guy, like when you look at like, you know, the Trent Reznor's and the Atticus Rosses of the world, all these gentlemen that, that make Big Bang doing it. When I heard that, I'm like, fuck, this guy should be doing every Bloomhouse movie from here yeah. to the end of time. Absolutely. That's it. That, 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 I definitely would recommend it. I, I would not recommend listening to it if you have a soft disposition or are easily scared late at night. If you can't handle women screaming in horror movies, this album is not for you. Yeah. That's uh that's pretty much how you could put a button on it and just call it a day. It's a great record. It's definitely if you're in the right mood for the right ambient sounds, you've got to be in the right mood for this one. Absolutely. But I would highly recommend it. Now for me, we're going back to number two. And since we've already had a little bit of a conversation about this record, we're gonna delve back into it. I'm gonna try to approach it from different points than Joe did. And that is, again, talking about Dark All Day, the second album by the band Gunship. Now, Gunship for me and for Joe both is a touchstone in the fact that we were not synthwave guys before we heard this. We really didn't even know anything about the genre. I, I didn't mean, know it existed. I mean, it, and, and, and we discovered afterwards there was so much beforehand that came out. But it really was the door kicker for something that is becoming a mainstream phenomenon. And, uh, you know, and these guys had a day job beforehand. I mean, these guys are both 
software writers. They're, they're both app writers, and they're also in another band that I like that we won't talk about today. Um, but this album for me, it was a new age 80s nerds wet dream. There are so many different things in the album that is referenced. Uh, the you know the altered carbon series is addressed on the title track on the first track of the album. You know, dark all day. I know we'll leave that with Joe. It's a great song, but Joe talked about it, so I'm going to approach different songs on this album. Even though I will talk about time after time and yeah. uh, my problems with that song, <laughs> uh, Woken Furies for me. Uh, you get the spoken intro by the by the writer of the altered carbon series, and it's really a dossier on the series itself. And I honestly thought it's got one of the best vocal melodies I've heard on a song in a while. Alex Westaway has become a better vocalist from the first album to this. And he's a much markedly better songwriter. Um, the textures on this song were just, you know, off the charts. What do you think, Joe? No, I agree. Uh, Dan Hag is an amazing producer. He can write music like it's nobody's fucking business. Uh, they continue to pump out, Amazing album after album, but um, I guess I have one question for you that kind of relates to the, what we're talking about is, uh, do you have any kind of fear, like I do, that the market is becoming so oversaturated with fucking Synthwave that it's going to become bleak and mild and really bland out there and just really watered down, I feel like, because the age of the internet has both blessed and cursed our music. And see, this is something I think... I knew we were going to talk about tonight because literally two weeks ago, the New York Times of all publications had a front page article talking about the rise of synthwave. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I, 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 I thought I sent you the uh, the link to it, but literally, it's a three page article in the New York Times about where this is going. You know, it, it all starts really. It starts with Stranger Things. That was the the hook that really brought synthwave '80s nostalgia. It all pulled it, you know, to now. And I think, I think the fear is well founded that you're going to have a lot of generic vanilla synthwave coming, which is just how every big wave comes. But you can already see in the bigger bands, the Goss, the Perturbators, the the uh, the Gunships, they're doing different things. I mean, they're they're breaking into subgenres or changing the rules of what they wrote. You know, just an album beforehand. I love Stranger Things, but I also blame them for a lot of things. I mean, you and I, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a fucking hipster here, but me and you were digging the 80s style stuff. Before. Way before all this stuff. And then We bought like, a synthesizer in 2009. That, that gives you an idea of where we were at. We were trying to figure out how to make those fucking sounds 10 years ago. And uh, now if you say, you know, you like, you know, oh, you know, I have 80s records. I, I, you know, I love Duran Duran and Tears for Fears and a lot of this 80s stuff. But if you even mention that around people now, now all of a sudden you're a fucking hipster. And you're like, oh, you're only doing this because, you know, Stranger Things happens. Like, no, motherfucker, I play Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. We play Dungeons and Dragons. We we listened to, to the terrible 80s music that yeah, was absolutely. oversaturated drums, <laughs> oversaturated synthesizers, you know, flat vocals. And that's the thing about it. Like, I worried about it with the Stranger Things and even though it wasn't successful in the theaters like I think they expected it to be, that's Ready Player One. Ready Player One was the other, you know, touchstone for this movement that really pushed that '80s nostalgic ideology yeah. forward. And that I, I'm, I'm, I'm outside the crowd on this one. I, I hated Ready Player One. I didn't like it at all. They, they tried to shove so much. 
fucking nostalgia down us 30-year-olds' throats. That <laughs> we didn't need it. Was it was sickening. Yeah, you couldn't keep track it. of what was on the screen. You couldn't... It, I don't know. We're getting off topic now, yeah. but it's <laughs> this, this, this nostalgia trend. It was fun for a while. But, but it feels I don't like, see it lasting yeah. much longer. I, I honestly feel like we could spend an entire hour speaking just about that subject. I mean, when when bands like Gunship, you know, they're they're charging big dollars for their vinyl records. Mm-hmm. In ten years, when these bands that might not even be releasing music because synthwave might go out the window, you know, exactly. it's just it, I don't know. I, I just hope it doesn't get too oversaturated, and we can still enjoy a musical about being looked at like a couple of douchebags. Yeah, you know what though? We're fine looking like douchebags because we've worn that coat well. But to finish up my little uh, synopsis on uh, Dark All Day, I won't talk about the, the songs that Joe spoke of. Uh, the only song on the album I actually don't like so much other than the the virtual dubstep breakdown is Thrasher. It's the only song on the album I skip because really? it, it just gives me instant anxiety. Um but for me, the, the songs that I like the most, this album really, to me, ends on a three-song high note. Uh, the song Symmetrical, which is one of the better subversive love songs I've w- listened to in a while. What song was that? Symmetrical. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a straightforward ballad. It's, it's a, the way Alex Westaway writes the lyrics. It's a very unique use of how you can be attracted and how you can feel about somebody. Um, we discussed a little bit about Cyber City. Um, Cyber City definitely, to me, felt like it was the closest thing that Dan Haig has come to making Evangelist track so far. Um, your thoughts, Joe? No, I really don't have anything else to add to that. Right. I, uh, Gunship, Gunship ended up lower on my list because I made my list on how many songs of an album do I skip. Mm-hmm. And Gunship, I actually skipped quite a few songs. As I've gone I, through I it, love the album. Yeah. I mean, they're they're... It's in my it's my number four on my list. Yeah. I mean, I still love the album, but there's there's a couple duds in there. Yeah. I think. Oh, I think as as we've listened to it more and more and let it digest, uh, I agree. This there's some songs that when I the album first came out, I listened to, and as they've gradually made their way through the playlist, songs have been removed. I mean, their uh, Thrasher is one of them. Um, uh, the Black Blood Red Kiss featuring yeah. the uh, the wonderful Kat Von D, which I to this day I don't. I don't get that song. I've listened to it. I try to understand it. I look forward to listening to it because I'm like, oh my, wow, Kat Von D. In like the, she can sing, and then I'm like, oh no, no she, she can't. really can't. It's 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 very out of, out of all the the guest singers on that album, I definitely find that is the weakest Weak. of them. I mean, you've got Indiana on the Dark All Day beautiful. track. Beautiful. She's first off, she's a fucking smoke show. And Visually her, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, dressed like a Kira for half of the video, and uh, she's got a great voice. And then even on the. Uh, on the Artemis and Parzival track with Stella LePage, it's not as strong as Dark All Day, but it's a, it's definitely it's it's an open ode to Ready Player One, and it's a good track unto itself. But for me, the the best song on this album, and I'll stop talking about it after this, is uh, the last song, which is The Gates of Disorder. Um, it's very sparse. Uh, I think it's some of Dan Haig's best synthesizing work. And it's just really fucking sad. It's it feels it feels bleak when you listen to it. The entire album has a very hopeful feel. It just it gets bleak after that. And before we go to the next part of it, I'm going to address time after time. The only reason I have an issue with this song is because another band released a version of Time After Time in 2018, and it fucking annihilates this song. Who? La Cassette. And really? I, I've sent you the track. Did you? No, you sent me other La Cassette I, songs. I sent you, didn't you the, send me. Time oh, after you time. see, you need to listen to it. Uh, I will. 
it's I liked the I really enjoyed the the gunship version because I think they approach it in a way a little different than Cindy Lauper in virtuous other crappy covers that I won't even think right. about. But when I heard the cassette version of that song, it it wiped my memory board. There's there's in my opinion, it's better than the Cindy version, which is I know is is blasphemy, but it's fucking amazing, and you should listen to it. I I, I absolutely will. All right. Moving on to whose turn is it? It's Joe's number two. Number two. My number two. Okay. My number one and two albums I fought to death with <laughs> trying to decide which one. And if I could just say these are both my number ones of the year, I would. But unfortunately, that's not how this game is played. Even though I told him he could have it like that, but he decided to not go that way. No. <laughs> so my number two is Rivers of Nile, Where Owls Know My Name. Holy shit! <laughs> uh, and the, and the, and can we? If we wanted to do that again, we could probably do that in full surround sound because I had the same reaction to it as well. This fucking album bangs uh, from the opening tracks. I I don't know. I I really don't know too much history about Rivers of Nile. I I think this might be their second album, but I'm definitely diving deeper into them. Their drummer Jared Klein. I don't know how his goddamn legs don't fall off. <laughs> it's like triple, maybe possibly quadruple bass drumming in it. I mean, it, they are literally one of the only bands I've listened to where the rest of the band's like, all right, we can all thrash, but we're going to give our drummer fucking here. You have the opening two minutes of every song because he just annihilates those skins. As a former uh, drummer in recovery, uh, every drummer ever wants to have this happen, which is where... The rest of the band recognizes your fucking greatness, and they just say, okay, even though we have these massively great songs, we're dedicating sections just to you to annihilate everybody's eardrums, because I've never heard a relentless attack on the drums like this. I literally thought there had to be triggers. This album, from beginning to end, pretty much 99% of it is just a direct drive, and there's even saxophone. They play saxophone on this album. Yeah. You want to say melodic death metal has some fucking saxophone? It works. And they don't, it's not like a, an onslaught of saxophone either. It's like, it's very, it's put in here and there. It's done very well. And you can definitely hear they must have jazz, jazz influences. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about that. Flying on drums. You can definitely hear the jazz influences and, well, I mean, fucking saxophone. I mean, it has jazz written all over it. But you mix jazz saxophone with melodic death metal, Rivers of Nile. I can't really say much more about it. I mean. Now, I listened to this, and and the first thing Joe sent me was the title track, which was is just gorgeous unto itself. Where Owls Know My Name. Yeah. And uh, in listening through it, the first thing I thought of is, and Joe and I, we became friends through our love of the Dillinger Escape Plan. Joe showed them to me. Mutated my brain, and we went from there. And they were what I consider the the archetype of a jazz backed metal band because yep. they're all jazz influenced. Absolutely. Until I heard this, this is the next level. You could hear it in the guitar playing. You can hear it in the signatures of of how they play. There is definitely a defined and beautiful jazz focus to this record. Um, going through my notes, uh, literally like just the beginning. Like if you listen to the first song, which is uh, Cancer Slash Moon Speak. It's fucking lush. Yep. Like it sounds a million miles wide. Like they had every fucking every every microphone in the world to record every sound because it just sounds massive. Yeah. 
And I love anytime you can get a band that's not. I mean, they're not a huge name, but they are. They sound like they should be a huge name. And that was the one thing I took from the beginning of that. And and, and I and we both don't give a shit about you know record sales, whose whose record name is on 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 the album itself. We uh we care about sound. And that was the one thing I took away from especially the first album. I song. think I think this album is going to blow them up. I, I think the next album you're going to see there it's more people more people know about them now. It, it's it's definitely a thing. I agree. Songs I recommend off this album are The Silent Life, A Home, and uh the Where Owls Know My Name. That's the first song I heard off of this album, and it's still my favorite song on the album. Yeah, I, I concur on that, still being the strongest track for me. And to back up what Joe says, if this album launches them, the only fear I have is because that song is so amazing unto itself that when you see other people putting their hands in, in the uh, in the food dish, you can see an A&R guy saying, you should sound more like this. And yeah. That's my only fear. This is a, this song is what I said earlier about. There are other reasons why Gunship's Dark All Day cannot be my song of the year. Yeah. Because this is... Yeah, this is I know. I you. agree. I agree. Um, the other, For me, especially as a person looking at your, your album here, uh, for me, the songs, uh, besides that, besides Cancer, uh, the one that really got me was uh, Terrestrial 3 Wither. Mm. Because it is a total fucking gear shift. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Very mellow. It's it's gorgeous. There's a and and the one thing I, I took away from this band listening to it is I can definitely hear the pro, the progressive nature of their sound. Mm-hmm. That they've got a jazz background, but there's definitely a proggy metal to it, like a little bit of Baroness. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, and, it's, and I, don't and be ashamed I, to call it prog. It's yeah, definitely and, and, prog. and I love that. I as as a person who's become a, a, a synthesizer deviant to hear that in the middle of this massive, aggressive fucking skullbreaker of an album. It was really cool to hear both sides of the coin. Yeah, absolutely. So we're starting to get down to the time limit here, so we're going to move on to Will's number two. Is my number two or my number one? Oh, no, it's your number one, actually. I say I thought it was my number one. I thought number two. And I know what your number one is. Okay, I'm not, even gonna, I'm not even going to get into it too much. The fact that basically this entire year has been a, me waiting for bands to release albums I thought would never be released. Uh, that being said, one of the two bands that promised to release a record this year actually did it. Fuck you, Dead Z. <laughs> um, I'm still waiting on that one. Uh, but for me, uh, it, it is the album Arbiter by the band Hope's Fall. Now, I was the, the poor bastard that found Hope's Fall in 2008. Now, anyone knowing the history of the band knows they broke up in 2008. Yep. So I have had to deal with this identity crisis for the better part of my adult life yeah, because I, I knew about hopes fall when i was in high school in 2002 i was listening to the satellite years so 2008 was a, yeah so yeah so to, to, to listen to a band knowing that this this creation this this sound that they'd made i hadn't heard anybody else do it to mix this spacey hopeful post-rock sound with with you know almost a hardcore aggression uh, I didn't know what to make of it. It really changed my life, and it really kind of pushed me into listening to what I listen to now. So to find out that a band that looked like they were dead in the water out of nowhere just came back and not only released a record but released an album that I do not skip a song on to this day when I listen to it. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's a good album, and I almost put it in my top five, but I just I just have a couple gripes with it. Send it. <laughs> Well, number one, uh, it is classic Hope's Fall instrumentally. Uh, the instruments on this are Hope's Fall, 
all the way from uh, satellite years and even before that, uh, no wings to speak of, through the rest of their catalog. So I applaud them on that. Uh, it does remind me of a lot of the satellite years. Like I said, I bought that in high school, and I was listening to it the <laughs> my Buick LeSabre when I was driving to school. Uh, but it's got more singing. Uh, it, Fall was part of my high school education, uh, especially No Wings to Speak Of. It was a fantastic... Oh, end of an era. End of an era alone. Just that that, out, that song is amazing. Um, the only thing I really griped from was uh, as a fan of the heavier lyrics for Hope's Fall. Uh, I was disappointed with their catalog from A-types forward. I felt like the the clean vocals became more of the forefront and the screaming just a background, which is fine. I, I'm down for that. It's just not really my Hope's Fall style. I get that. Because I was listening to them with bands like From Autumn and Ashes and Poison the Well and Hope's Fall. I mean, they were just straight in your face, you know, screaming bands. It's really good for a band that hasn't played together in 10 years. It's been ten years since they they even played together. Yeah, I was just I, I was just hoping for harder vocals. That's all. I mean, I my tracks, H.A. Uh, Wallace Space Academy, Tunguska, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. and uh, Drowning Potential. Yeah, Drowning Potential is amazing, and and what I think Joe has, says about like how he expected this record to be, it's. I knew it was going to be divisive amongst old school fans. See, I discovered Hope's Fall on the Magnetic North album, right. which was kind of a turn back towards the satellite years. Not so much A types; they were shooting for pop stardom. Right. It's a good record, but it's 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 right. it's no, not I comparable. Agree. No, it's yeah, I agree. Um, for me this year, I looked at it as I felt this was the next transition after Magnetic North. Uh, it's a, it hits a little harder than Magnetic North. It's not nearly as dense. I felt the Magnetic North album was very reminiscent of something that the Deftones would do. Yeah. That being said, I won't beat around the bush too long with this. My riff of the year is the opening riff on this album, which is Faint Object Camera. That fucking riff gets me going every time Absolutely. I hear it. It's And it's so simple, but it's just so dirty. Um, for me, pretty much every song on the album reaches out and gets me. Uh for, but for me, though, the, the song on this album is their one softer point, and it's I Catapult. It's lush. It's really pretty. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, the better parts of A-Types. Um, I definitely feel that that if they do something more beyond this, I can't imagine what the next album will sound like because this is the sound of a band getting to know each other in a room again after a decade apart. And also, this album, you can... Clearly, anybody can see from a distance is space. I mean, oh, the whole yeah. thing is space. Oh, everything about it. Everything, every, songs, every lyrical reference is it's definitely looking everything upward. Everything is a space. So I can appreciate the, uh, the the real spacey sound of it. Yeah. It Even just, lyrically speaking, you definitely feel like they're looking up the entire time. Yeah, absolutely. They're looking into the sky. And they always have. I mean, look at the satellite years. Yeah. yeah. We'll go back to the point that as as the Hope's albums, Hope's Falls albums go, that the uh, the album covers that they've done, every single one is usually one of my favorites. Like, they're, they're artwork to me. I'm just, I, I hope the next album fucking rips my head off. I, I really want to see old Hope's Fall, but, you know, like a lot of our bands, I mean, they're getting older. Yeah, it's very true. Like, we're waiting this year for a third Dead Z album. You know, yeah, and this is this. We is will the, be reviewing that on this podcast. Yeah, and we'll be talking about it in our uh, on one of our future episodes about albums we're looking forward to this year. Yeah. So that being said, I'm not going to waste any more of my airtime. We're going to go right straight to Mr. Walker. All right, 
my number one of the year. And for some reason, a lot of people around the uh, music community disagree with this. Is uh, Street Sex, The Kicking Mule. I do not skip a song on this album. This album rips from 269 Soulmates all the way down through The Drifter. This album is fourth gear, 400 miles an hour the whole time. Uh, I have some old Street Sex stuff, uh, Things Will Be Better in Hell. Uh, some of their old EPs. Uh, this album is a cleaner. Oh, I, I say that I say it's a driving album, which it is, but it's uh, it's a little less off the hardcore. It's more of a industrial punk, uh, clean vocals type sound. If you haven't listened to it, I I, I highly recommend it. If you're any kind of a fan of uh, Nine Inch Nails, any of that industrial style music, you should definitely give it a shot. My thoughts on this album were. Uh as Joe said, if you like industrial, and that's the key, not a lot of bands these days still do the industrial thing, not even the godfathers of industrial. This album feels like if it had to come out in 1994, it would have sold 20 million copies. Absolutely. It's... And I've listened to some of the older stuff because Joe has been a great brother. He buys me things and I spin them and I <laughs> and I try to figure out what they mean. Um, the earlier Street Sex recordings were definitely a little more lo-fi and maybe that was just intentional. It was straight industrial punk yeah, lo-fi. Yeah, it definitely was. But listen to this album, it definitely felt like someone took a punk band or an industrialized yep. punk band and put like a... A suit on them. Well, yeah, exactly, like a David Bowie, like Brian Eno, something of that sort. Like, you put that 80s, like a little bit of an 80s lipstick polish on it, the vocals were cleaner, the production, even though it's still fucking aggressive, it sounded 10,000 leagues different than the original, earlier stuff. I'm not downplaying it by saying, you know, somebody took a punk band and fucking changed the sound. I'm saying that this is probably the best thing that could have happened to Street Sex. Oh, absolutely. I think they're, I think this is a band, especially where they have buzz, this is a band people are talking about, and I think this is album will be. It could be something major for them. I really think it has been. I think out of the, the what they've released so far, it's even though I definitely won't say it's something as super accessible to the no. uh, to the open ear, but to a fan of true industrial music, this is going to be a pleasing album for them to listen to. This is actually, I think, a good album to transist to from maybe mainstream metal to yeah. a little more industrial underground yeah. harder I think you're I think you, you hit it right in the head this is something that you would show to a friend who you think might have some adventurous in their musical palette yeah. it's it's easy to digest it's going to make you think a little bit but at the same time it could lead them to say hey it's a great album and that's it or it could lead them down the dark path of looking at their entire back catalog and moving further down the rabbit hole right I won't say much too much more about them. I recommend the songs. The opening track, 269 Soulmates. I love that. Everyone's at home eventually. Yeah, that's a good one too. In For a World of Hurt is another contestant for my song of the year. That song gets played repeatedly in my vehicle. Yep. The lyrical content on that is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the lyrics by yeah, themselves. That, that was my big takeaway from this album was the fact that it's just two guys, and what they're doing is amazing because there's so many textures in this album. But it was really the words. I'm, you know, I'm a word guy, yeah. and I really took away my, holy hell, this guy can really write songs. One of my favorite lines on the album is actually from 269 Soulmates. It says, beggar, the city rejects you. It's half a matter of income and half a matter of not fitting in. Yeah, yeah. If you think about our, our, our present 
economic, political climate, this is an album that people could look back 20 years from now and say this is a revolution starter because some of the things he's talking about, is they hit home for what we're dealing with right now. It's, 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 it's like a battle cry for a revolution to come. Absolutely. So do you have any uh, contestants that couldn't make it onto the list but were close? There were some things. See, for me, I... I never live in the present time. I find things at different times. So for me, I spent a lot of times listening to albums from 2014, just yeah. discovered them from this I, year. I, I wish um, Bell Witch, Mirror Reaper came out yeah. last year because that would be on this yeah. album. Same with me with the Licassette, uh, you know, the Arms of Mine album. But for me, the only other thing that was close, and it was a, it was close, but just I didn't feel like it merited enough of, of a response, was the, uh, was the latest uh, album by Thrice. Uh, I, Palms is a great record. It's a return to form for them. Um, I thought the last 10 years they've kind of meandered. They really don't know where they've been. They've tried to become too much like the Radiohead of post-rock. Mm. VSU was a masterpiece and everything that's happened since then. I have been dumbfounded and confused by, but Palms is uh, it's a really strong album. And if you want to listen to some great nostalgic screamo, it's definitely something to look at. <laughs> I'm actually wearing the t-shirt tonight to uh, commemorate that, Pig Destroyer Head Cage did not make my top five albums of the year. What surprises a shit out of me? Because it's I an honorable mention. Because I fucking loved it. Fucking honorable mention. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's a, again the same thing with Hope's Fall. There's a rift between old school Pig Destroyer and new school Pig Destroyer. Absolutely. And look, they don't. They're not as hard as they used to be. I, I actually fought for them on this album. I went on, I, for the first time ever, I went onto the forums and people were saying, oh, they're not as fucking heavy as they used to be. I'm like, no, well, you got to look at these, these guys. I mean, they, they've been screaming. J.R. Hayes has been ripping his fucking vocal cords out in grindcore. For 20 years. For fucking 20 years. I was listening to Pig Destroyed fucking high school back when uh, Terrifier, Prowler in the Yard, Explosion in Ward 6, fucking uh, 38 Counts of Battery. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy shreds I, I i keep telling people like look this is just the way for these guys who are getting older scott hall jr hayes they're getting into their 40s but they're still finding ways to fucking kill you exactly and it still kills you it's not as heavy it's a little more accessible because maybe it's not so oh, aggressive absolutely. but i still thought i've out of all the albums like i've sat in the, for many a car ride we've listened to many a pig destroyer <laughs> album and you've converted me into understanding that they have the best groove fucking ever. Oh, yeah. They, they have no reason to have that much groove. And, and it continues on in this album. That was the one thing I, I took about away from this was that it was just amazing in a different way. Army of Cops. That's all I <laughs> Army of yeah. Cops and uh, Circle River. Yeah. Circle River is an amazing song. Too. Yeah. Army of Cops could have been a fucking re- like a pop song release. It was so fucking catchy. They could have released it here on our radio stations. I mean, again, this album... I, I like it. Uh, it's just, I'm an old school fan. Call me a douchebag. Call me a hipster. Uh, I love Pig Destroyer. I'm wearing the Pig Destroyer Headcage t-shirt right now. Yeah, he is. And under here, I'm wearing my Hope's Fall t-shirt just to kind of combat him. But uh, this this album is a good way for mainstream now metalheads to get into different avenues of metal. You yeah. could listen to this album and say, oh my God, I love Pig Destroyer. Okay, put in Prowler in the yard and tell me if you still love Page Destroy because it's a vast difference mm-hmm. in style. I mean, they went from writing 30-second songs yeah. to full-length, two-minute songs. and They really started that on uh, Terrifier. My favorite song from them is Grave Dancer on Terrifier. I built my entire internet oh, yeah. around Grave yeah. Dancer. 
yeah, so that's it. This is episode one of Music Attic, A-T-T-I-C. Exactly. It's a couple of hiccups here and there. It's a uh, it's our first walk in the water. So uh, as we get more into the uh, the groove of this, we're definitely going to get uh, a better feel for it. Yeah, we're going to try. We're going to bang out some episodes, and we're going to put up uh, one a week and uh, see what happens. So until then, I'm Joe. This is Will, and uh, thank you so much for listening to us. And remember, music is subjective. If you don't like something, that's fine with us. Bye.